0: You're listening to Ben and Bikes with your host, Ben Lockett. This podcast is about bikes, but more about the people who ride them and their stories, and less about frame size, shock technology, or even the Tour de France. This is Ben and Bikes, where every bike tells a story. The Ben and Bikes podcast is sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ is an insurance agency that helps health conscious people like cyclists get lower rates on their life insurance. Go to healthiq.com forward slash bab to support this show and learn how your active lifestyle choices can reduce your life insurance premiums. There is a place where you can ride your bike that's across between the French Alps and Hawaii. It rarely rains. It never really gets dark. It's never cold, it's never windy, and there are no cars. You can always find friends from all over the world to ride with, or you can choose to ride by yourself. There are butterflies and sloths and mountain goats and thousand-foot waterfalls, and you can even ride through a volcano. Sound too good to be true? Or maybe that I've been imbibing in too much of Colorado's finest weed? Well, it's all true, with the exception of the weed part. But I'm missing out one really important factor. All this happens on a stationary trainer, and in my case, in my basement. For many of us, a trip to the dentist is preferable to the idea of riding on a stationary trainer. Hours and hours of mind-numbing, spinning with nothing more than Netflix for company. And if I'm honest, for me, it's not like this was a regular occurrence, and I found myself losing most of the fitness I gained in the previous six months of spring, summer, and fall during the dark months of winter and gaining 10 pounds. Behold Zwift, a new verb added to the Oxford English Dictionary, to Zwift. For those of you who do not know what Zwift is, let me explain. Zwift enables you to ride in the virtual world that I described earlier in this introduction. Other worlds are provided with meticulously crafted depictions of downtown London and richmond virginia these worlds are presented to you via whatever screen you have access to from an iphone to a 4k 60 inch super high def television you can use a standard stationary bike trainer with the addition of a power meter but for best results using a smart trainer one that's connected to the web and made by companies like wahoo and cyclops mean that as you ride your bike through these virtual worlds, when you are riding uphill, things get harder, and when you are riding downhill, things get mercifully easier. For context, here is my setup. I strap my Specialized Roubaix to a Wahoo Kicker snap. If I'm honest, I'd like the Wahoo Kicker, its older uh, brother, because this enables you to completely remove the rear wheel and fix it to the trainer. Benefit, you can actually get out of the seat to pedal when the going gets tough. Maybe I'll upgrade next year. I use a Wahoo Heart Trainer and a Garmin Cadence Sensor. You don't need to have these, but I'm a bit of a data geek, and I like to be able to see all these metrics as I ride. I use Ant Plus to connect all this hardware to the web and my Zwift account. Oh, and I wear a do-rag and keep a towel to hand because, believe me, you are going to sweat when you use Zwift. One more thing. I connect my Zwift account with my Strava account, which shows that I have ridden 518 miles this year, mostly on Zwift. This is about 516 miles more than I rode this time last year. Oh, and I crank up the Led Zep on my stereo as I ride. The entire Zwift experience is gamified, where much like an adventure game, the more you ride, the more points you gain. The more points lead to higher levels. Higher levels give you access to cooler stuff, better bikes, awesome riding gear like jerseys and socks, helmets, and sunglasses. Although I choose to take my helmet off when I ride my Zwift, I always put it on when I ride outside. So joining me today is Scott Barger. Uh, Zwift's co-founder and head of Member Experience, uh, Scott Barger. Welcome to the Bike Sand podcast. Hey, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Scott. Um, Thank you very much for joining me today. I know you're a a very busy man. My pleasure. So what keeps you you busy at Zwift?
1: (laughs) Well, um, I head up the Member Experience team. Um, so basically always trying to infuse the lens of the community, uh, this amazing the community that's that you're a part of that's sprouted up around Zwift um, through everything that we do. But primarily that takes the shape and form of our outbound communications. So whether you are a new Zwifter coming on the platform and you're receiving sort of those onboarding emails to get you up and running and, and get the most out of the platform, or whether that's uh, working with marketing to promote ongoing events and things like that right down to the actual member support team. So the people that you contact when things aren't going quite so well, or maybe you just want to write in and talk about your experiences, Um, we're on the other end of that line.
0: Excellent. Um, I can honestly say that I have not had need to reach out to Zwift for any reason because I have honestly been amazingly impressed with what you guys have built. Um, The way that you have turn you, it's obvious that you've spent so much time on focusing around the whole riding experience and getting it as close to the real world uh, as possible um, and, and that attention to detail uh, has really made those liftingfting experience um, absolutely fantastic and something that i i know i, I look forward to um, I, I would i'm sure you get asked this a whole bunch uh, when you when you do these types of interviews but can you give um, me some idea of where the Zwift idea actually came from?
1: Sure. Uh, and, and thanks for that, Ben. It's interesting. We, we don't try and replicate or simulate. I think this is an important distinction, mm-hmm. sort of the outdoor experience. But we do try and bring all the really great elements that we love about riding bikes and now actually running with friends into an in indoor space. Um, so this whole thing got started in 2013. Uh, I was in London um, and had known Eric Min, our CEO, and one of the other co-founders. And we were uh, looking for ideas on sort of what to do next in life. Um, And one of the other co-founders had pushed him to think about cycling. Um, And Eric was a, out of necessity really, uh, with a busy family living in London where the weather, as you know, is not so great all the time. Right. he was forced to ride indoors a lot and he had everything i mean he had he had perf pro he had videos he had all this stuff and, and i was definitely the guy that liked to go out in sort of all conditions i could not get myself past 45 minutes on an indoor trainer um and so as we started exploring the idea uh we looked at video games and we said why why isn't there a better mouse trap why is no one taking this amazing video game technology and and brought it to the Indoor boredom that is cycling or, or running on a treadmill, right? A dreadmill. I
0: <laughs> like it. <I> didn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so, well, there's a reason why they call it the pain cave, right? Totally. It was never, it was never something to look forward to. It was, it was distract yourself and suffer through it because you knew you'd be better for it when you did go outdoors and you'd enjoy it more then. So. Fortuitously, doing research, we, we found uh, John Mayfield, who is the genius behind Zwift um, and, and the head of, of game development, uh, on a slow Twitch forum. And if you dig through the annals, uh, there's a blog post out there and you'll see some of the uh, original screenshots. But John had developed a single player version of what has become Zwift. Hmm. Um, he was a game designer by trade. And... He he like most of us thought that, oh wow, I'll go buy I'll go buy this controller, i.e., the trainer that you described that you put your bike on, I'll connect it to my computer and it'll be my my controller that accesses this rich world that I'm sure there's a killer app out there. He soon, like us, found that there wasn't anything compelling. So being a skilled individual, he took it upon himself and he built a better mousetrap. Um, so when when Eric and I talked to him in late in 2013, we said, hey, we're gonna come out and meet you in California. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I've heard it before. Um, We did, we showed up uh, and he welcomed us into his home. And after an interesting exchange, uh, we were the first outsiders he let ride his platform. Uh, And it it was kind of interesting in that we both found out later that he was wearing a heart rate strap. So as you know, and, and described, you'll see your heart rate online. So John was a bit nervous and he realized his heart rate was going up. So he was trying to cover the screen while Eric gave me first go. I threw a leg over and we're up, we're up at his office and I started pedaling and you know, I was trying to control my sheer elation. I just, it was unlike, you know, the feedback that we got from, from the smart trainer and, and the experience, even though it was as he'd say, sort of programmer art, and it was a single player version, he had created something very special. Um, Fast forward, you know, to today, uh, Eric. In, in the context of those conversations, things move very fast. He convinced uh, John to quit his job and, and join us February first, twenty fourteen. Like a couple weeks later, he also convinced me that I should move from London uh, and join John and, and help set up the the studio here and and build up a team. So. It's been a pretty crazy ride. Uh, everything sounds like a pun when you describe what we do, but it, it really has.
0: <laughs> yeah. If you, if you are ever in the future looking for someone to quit their job and come and work with you, uh, give me a shout because uh, <laughs> I would be very happy to do that. That seems like uh, one of those amazing experiences in your life that, uh, that only comes along once or twice if, if you're lucky. Um, it it probably took a lot of nerve to do it, but the results uh, um, uh, you must be so happy with.
1: I, I am, I am constantly yeah. uh, humbled by just the community that has sprouted up around what we did. Um, every step of the way, the community is is just a little bit ahead of us. Um, literally, it was four of us. I think in a kickoff meeting in 2014, and at little Airbnb in, in Palisades, California, and we were putting sticky notes on the refrigerator, thinking like, "Okay, who are our personas? Okay, we've got the casual. You know, this was the early days. We've got right. the casual. We've got the enthusiast, and we've got you know sort of the competitive. Okay, what are they going to want?" And we we brainstormed so much stuff and brought other really smart people on board um, that you know we we had and we still have a pretty long backlist of of stuff that's roadmap but um you know before we could get out like a proper workout module you know the community was already figuring out how to do self-organize and do events and do group workouts and so it, it's just been super amazing to see how people have taken to
0: yeah i i can i can only imagine um w- w- are you able to share with me uh even in, in broad brushstrokes or how many Zwifters you started off with, and, and how many Zwifters there are today.
1: Uh, we can we can talk in broad terms. Uh, yeah. In the beginning, geez, everything about this has been. It's funny thinking back on it now. I remember when we, uh, so we started, we started in the beginning of twenty fourteen, January fifteenth, uh, and then by September thirtieth, we had this bold idea that we'd do this simultaneous launch to to the world really what the Zwift world could be. So we um, we were uh, we, we split up, and, and John and I were in the Rafa Cafe in, in San Francisco. Um, we had Charlie, who heads up our events, uh, with Alec, another co-founder in New York, the Rafa Cafe there, uh-huh. and of course we had we had Eric Min and uh, and some of the other team in the Rafa Cafe in London. And what we did is essentially we unveiled Swift. And we invited tons of journalists to each of these locations uh, at the same time. And we said, okay, here's what it's about. And we're going to let you write against each other uh. or with each other. And it was this crazy thing that was incredibly stressful because we didn't have a tremendous amount of time from when we started this to take John's single player thing um, and then turn it into a, a connected non-programmer art in a scalable environment, this world, uh, which is is where a lot of the... The, the technical stuff comes in. And I just remember there was also like in, an, an AWS outage. There was scheduled maintenance that was going to happen and they wouldn't tell you exactly when, but it in fact happened like five hours before the launch. Of course it did. You know, and so John, and I, it uh, was it was just one of those moments where like this is going to go amazingly well, or it is just going to crush us. <laughs> <laughs> um, thankfully the stars aligned uh, and you know, it, we pulled it off, and and the thing that was amazing about that is that we did get some great coverage. Uh, and I just remember waking up the next morning, and my phone would not stop vibrating because we had had a beta sign up form, and it, it was uncanny. We we had like ten thousand sign ups in I don't know the span of forty eight hours or something. So there was a lot of interest. Um, I mean, as you know, uh, I, I am I was as I said, I'm not. I hated indoor activity, indoor exercise, right. uh, in the sense of trying to ride or run. And this has become a game changer for me. So we're very much consumers of our own thing. We're not pushers. We're, we're drinkers of the Kool-Aid, use the analogy you like. Um, and, and we're as active in it as anyone. And so from those very humble initial days where we started with literally cherry-picking all the people that wrote in, like, okay, what is Wif going to work on now? And And one of our first things is... It wasn't even wireless, right? It was like the Trainer worked on Windows, right? <laughs> so it was like, out of all these people, where do we start with? Okay, let's start there. Uh, and, you know, and it was just a, a long road to add lots of hardware support. It took, uh, I think, until February of 2015 to actually get it to work on Mac. Huh. Um, Windows offers, much like Android, which is still forthcoming, offers lots of challenges because Things aren't so standardized, right? The one thing Apple did really well is like they made things easy to use. You know what you're you know you know the hardware specs you're working with and, and the tolerances. There are so many different combinations of Windows PCs, so we had to figure out that that baseline and get that right first. So this is all to say that uh, you know we started super humble early days, and I remember just seeing people on the platform in the early beta was super exciting. It's like hey, I'm riding with like ten other people. Yeah. Right? Um, it's, it's pretty trippy to go back and think about it that way. In terms of where we are now, you know, I can't give you the exact number, but I can say it's, it's, you know, just south of sort of a half million or hundreds of thousands. Are you of kidding
0: there. me? That is ridiculous. I didn't think you were going to say a number that big. I thought you were going to say like 50,000. That is well, insane. You would, I mean, to to qualify that number, right? I mean, everybody's going to be like, okay, well, maybe that's,
1: that's the number of accounts that have been created. Um, and so our peak simultaneous logins that we had set this winter was just north of 8,000. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, so to get those, Emily, our head of brand and comms jokes that, you know, we have more people that we have people from more countries that are in the UN, which is true. I think we're up like just over 190. Um, and, it you know it becomes a really interesting experience when you do that but not everyone logs in at the same time so yeah uh, as i said the biggest day i think was somewhere north of of 8000 which was super exciting for us
0: but uh, so most most of my my riding uh happens in the evening when i get home from work so i am normally Zwifting at about 6 p.m. as a as a result of that um i am riding obviously with people from uh the US yeah. Canada. Uh, But seem to be picking up a whole bunch of people from Asia as they are waking up and doing their morning workouts. So I see people from Taiwan. I see people from Japan, Japan, most certainly. Uh, And I I just uh, New Zealand, I see a, a fair amount. And uh, I remember um, talking to a, f- a colleague of mine whilst I was actually Zwifting, and I, I was trying to explain the fact that I was trying to pass a guy from New Zealand as I rode up a hill uh, in this amazing world called Watopia, uh, and, and he couldn't, he just couldn't grasp what I was talking about. So it it is crazy the different nationalities. And uh, another example for me, Scott, of how. Um, and 99% of the world's population, are just ordinary people like you and I, who just want to get on a bike and go for a ride. Yeah. Um, what is, yeah. what is your favorite way to
1: Zwift? What do you find yourself doing most when you, when you
0: uh, so I just finished the, the whole, um, FTP improvement program, the four week FTP plan. Cool. Um, which, which is great. And I actually, uh, went out. Uh, the weather was good enough here in Colorado uh, this weekend that I went out on my mountain bike. And the difference uh, that I experienced on my mountain bike uh, compared to when I'd been out on my road bike back in January uh, was, uh, was, was significant. I could absolutely feel the difference, um, which, which was great. I tried to get on some group rides um, when I can. Um, the thing I do the least, honestly, is just go for a ride. Um, I do it every now and then, but I don't find that as satisfying as either the, you know, the training rides or the, or the group rides.
1: Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, we find it's, it's sort of a third, a third, a third and group workouts are are changing that a bit, but that social component that provides sort of the motivation—you're no longer solo, alone in your basement, your shed, your garage, your living room, wherever you're doing this experience. Right. You're connected with all those people, and I think I think you've you really articulated there what I what I think is what we really believe. Um, for me, Zwifting has become, given the choice of riding in the dark, say you know, as a time crunched person working a lot of hours by myself early morning versus hey i could do this group ride with you know a few of my friends and 50 other people it's now become a viable option uh, during the week and but it's never meant to replace outdoor riding now there are Mm -hmm. some people that take this to an extreme and that's cool (laughs) there is quote unquote the swift addiction and we take solace in knowing that it's improving people's lives um but really it's if you Swift opens the door to give you those two, three extra time a week that you normally wouldn't ride, and maybe in a very structured way, that makes you that much fitter. So when you do go outside, you're better at what you love to do anyway, and it, it's that much more enjoyable.
0: Yeah, you you actually uh, you you're a couple of questions ahead of me. Uh, so you're fine. Gonna, No, no, no. It's it's all it's all fine. Honestly, um, I I was actually just going to you know ask you, you know, as a result of people using Zwift. Uh, do you think that uh, there are people who now just choose to Zwift rather than Zwift in the night and and go and ride their bike during the day? You know, it's there's there's some interesting people uh,
1: that, uh, you know, I, I had a joking conversation with Frank Garcia, who you might know uh, in the community. He leads up um, the CVR, and he did, he's been a long supporter and active member of the community. And we were joking. I mean, this is probably a couple of years ago or maybe last year. We were joking. He's like, yeah, he rides with so much uh, now. He's like, and he lives in Las Vegas. It's like, I only go out when it rains now, because rain is, is a,
0: it's such. A, I mean, it doesn't rain much in Vegas. And I just, I just found that, you know, so. I'd wait, uh, I, I just want to be clear on that. He only goes out to ride when it rains. And he was probably half joking, right? <laughs> but he's like, I only go out in the rain now because
1: it, which is the opposite of, of many people, right? But when you're living in Las Vegas and I maybe it's hot a lot and, you know, the actual, the riding conditions are probably so, uh, on the opposite scale, so hot and clear and, and sunny that maybe that's true. But yeah. I, found that, I found that kind of funny.
0: <laughs> so I suppose that, you know, it, it, from a business perspective, uh, if you were you know, just a North American company, having uh, your customers only ride during the winter could create a massive cash flow problem for you if they stop riding during the summer and, and paying you to, to use Zwift. But given the fact that you have this entirely global audience, that's really not a thing. Um, because when people are riding bikes here in the U.S. during the summer, there it's the winter in New Zealand, and they're riding their bikes.
1: Sure, I mean there, there's definitely a an offsetting effect of the southern hemisphere and, and vice versa. Um, there, the North America, you know, followed by Europe, UK is, is huge mecca, right? Asia, um, right. but I, I think one of the things you just touched upon though is, you know, can riding indoors make you sort of a better cyclist? And um why would you why would you stay on Zwift sort of all year? And I think it really just comes down to lifestyle and, and your goals and motivations, right? Mm-hmm. Um there are some, you know uh, Matt Heyman's coach, Kevin Poulton, is is really looking at whether or not, you know, some people say that the the efforts, because they're so controlled and so sustained indoors actually are better than that, that. maybe the same thing you could get outdoors. Right. Um, and so there is there is a discussion about whether or not indoor training accounts for, I don't know, more than riding outdoors. And that's a bit contentious perhaps, but one thing that is absolutely true is that it's a super controlled environment. So even sort of the FTP builder that you just went through, you know, you're not worried about stoplights, you're not worried about these things. So if one of your goals is to improve your performance, you can do it in a very structured way that at least now is no longer this really boring awful experience that you're drowning trying to drown out with music and distract yourself with netflix you you can do it with a community
0: Um, yeah yeah absolutely hey there podcast listener we'll be right back to the show so please don't touch that dial it's time you got a reward for sweating up that hill on your bike and we're very excited to tell you about a company called health iq who kindly sponsor the ben and bikes podcast Health IQ's customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, and a 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to people who are inactive. Bottom line, you invest in a healthy lifestyle, and that investment should mean that life insurance is cheaper. See if you qualify by visiting healthiq.com. Forward slash B A B and take the health IQ test. And now back to the podcast. On the sort of idea of, of personas, do you think that there are people who have actually been introduced to the sport of cycling by zwifting to start with uh and, and then going out to ride as a result of the passion that they now think in that this this cycling thing is an, is an awesome thing, but they started it on Zwift in their basement and then and then they go out and ride. So Zwift has introduced them to the sport of cycling. I certainly hope we can do more of that. Um, we have seen
1: some examples. I mean, whether it be, you know, you have a Zwifter in the family and then the partner gets on. Um, some of the more concrete examples we've seen though have, have come from both the women's community with the Swift Academy or, or even there's been, um, some others that have written in that have said that they've gained their confidence for group riding, funnily enough, indoors. Mm. They never knew, they never knew what it was about. Yep. Um, they didn't think it, cycling can be a very intimidating thing, right? Yep. I mean, if you walk into a bike's shop and, and you're not really in the sport, all of a sudden, you could be presented with people that, you know, mammals, right? <laughs> Middle-aged men in Lycra, yes. shaved legs. And there's this persona that is a little intimidating when you first start. And I think Zwift definitely acts as a way to mitigate that. And, you know, we like to say one Zwift for all. I'm sure you've got the Matt himmons and, and other incredible stories about what people have been able to achieve at the top, you know, or even triathletes, the top level of their sport. But equally, there are the casual people that find their way and and start to really enjoy the a little bit more of the joy of cycling.
0: Yep. Have you ever looked at the data on on your end and sort of calculated the average hourly wattage produced by everyone who's riding and considered what you could do with that energy because my guess <laughs> is it's pretty damn significant. You know, I, it's funny
1: uh it's funny in that it's actually not as big a number as you might think Ah, um okay it it, we have you know i don't have to hand it i could certainly find them we put out some fun infographics uh certainly like key times of the year like the end of the year and stuff just like a year on swift and i think i think oh god it it takes a lot of energy to to power stuff um there's a video famous video on on youtube of I'm not going to remember the sprinter's name, but a, a famous track cyclist with, you know, massive quads. Right. And the amount of energy it takes for him to actually get a piece of toast to toast in a toaster <laughs> gives gives you, and if you haven't seen this you should absolutely google uh, it. I but will I'll look it, it up. It, it gives you a sense of how much energy it takes uh to to power electric things, right? right. But that said it's not insignificant, you know, I I think Maybe I don't know if it was LA for a day or, or what I don't even know if it wasn't that big, but it it takes a tremendous amount of power to power stuff. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> um that's it, that, that we have burned a lot of calories. <laughs> so in terms of you know, slices of pizza or uh just absolute caloric intake is is pretty
0: big. Do you guys have like this enormous like Zwift control center where you've got all these screens up showing you know, how many riders are on right now and uh, how much power they're creating, and who's just about to join, and all this good stuff. It uh, is probably not as big as perhaps you're imagining. I've got uh, NASA I, in mind. I've got, <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got literally Cape Canaveral in mind, but I don't know if it's that okay. big.
1: <laughs> I was, I was thinking like John Travolta from Swordfish. There you go. Right. But um, <laughs> there, yeah. I mean, we monitor, we monitor a lot of those stats. Um, we don't have. We've always got, you know, multiple screens running um, in spectator mode, looking at the actual world. Uh, Everyone's very tuned in about the number of of riders on at any given moment. We're not so much monitoring real time for everyone to see some of the things that you mentioned, like, you know, what's the power outage of the whole community right now and stuff. But, yeah,
0: yeah, there are are lots of
1: of fun things to look at.
0: I, I bet. So, so speaking of gamification of of the game, which uh, of Zwift, which I, I think is one of the real reasons for success here, but I've spotted what gamers would refer to as Easter eggs among in your game. Um, I've seen the very obvious Pink Floyd reference above Battersea Power Station. Um, no idea what
1: you're talking
0: about, <laughs> right? Oh, sorry, I shouldn't. I probably shouldn't say the. The the not Pink Floyd reference above Battersea <laughs> Power Station. Uh, I've seen um, Shut Up Legs on, on one of the hills in Watopia, good Jens Vogt uh, reference. Uh, yeah. I've seen HTFU, which uh, for those of you who are the Lominati um, aficionados, uh, you will know exactly what HTFU stands for. Uh, a yeah. previous uh, conversation that I had on a previous podcast with, with the Velomenati, um, what, what am I missing that you might be able to point out to me and any other Zwifters?
1: Oh, come on. It wouldn't be an Easter egg if we pointed them out, right?
0: Well, give us a um, couple of <laughs> hints, a couple of hints.
1: Well, there's a certain bridge uh, on Watopia that you might cross. Or, uh, you'll definitely cross. And if you cross in a certain direction, you might notice uh, a name plaque. And that name is a nod to a very early member of the community with a powerful story um, in Julian Washington. And if, uh, yeah, so there's, 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 there's some little hints here and there. Uh, I think Easter eggs are really fun. And I think, you know, as we mature, one of the things we certainly want to keep a laser focus on is, is just making sure that this stays fun, yeah. right? It should be motivating, inspiring, but yep. equally, it's the fun.
0: <laughs> so, Scott, we've we've spoken about the idea of, uh, of writing and, and points meaning prizes, and prizes mean you can get more kit and different bikes. Do you have uh, any plans in the future sort of sort of evolve that idea of points?
1: Absolutely. Uh, We are, you know, as you said, right now you you grind and and for your effort you you accumulate experience points and then you reach a level and and we give you uh, for that achievement a set of wheels or new kit or a frame. We're we're going to bring in more of the video game concept of of in game currency uh, it It is not a nickel and dime scheme where you go buy this currency and stuff you you earn the currency through your effort and with that currency, instead of us just arbitrarily giving you something um, we've got a tremendous amount of brands lined up uh, they're anxious to get uh, into Zwift, and what you'll be able to do is is spend that much like. Other video games where you're you're outfitting your race car or something, and so I think
0: it'll be a lot of fun.
1: You'll you'll get to to have choice.
0: I, I love it. Is that something we can look forward to this year or the next six months, or what's the timeline on that? It'll it'll be probably the latter. Um, we've been working on this for quite a while. Uh, there's a last couple of
1: technical hurdles, um, but getting pretty close. We've been working hard on on developing assets. As I said, there's a quite a backlog of of brands, um, so I think this is going to be really fun.
0: Excellent. You know, it's interesting. I suppose it's just like a, a, a computer game or an Xbox game is uh, whenever I log in uh, and I start up Zwift on my on my laptop um, and I see that it's updating, I'm sort of uh, itching to find out what it is uh, that has been updated. And, and I'll say that uh, when I was level eight, I think I'm level 14 at this point, when I'm level eight, uh, I remember the Jungle Zone being added to uh, to Watopia, um, yeah. and for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, the Jungle Zone is a piece of Watopia that um, looks like a jungle, has, uh, like I mentioned in my introduction, thousand-foot waterfalls. Uh, that's where you'll find the uh, the sloth and a bunch of other things as well. But in order to get access to the Jungle Zone, you needed to be level ten. Um yeah. and I busted my ass to get to level 10 in order to take advantage of of the jungle zone. So uh these updates are, are very exciting and certainly one way to keep uh the Zwifting audience engaged. Um but I would say uh you know I did reach out to some of my, my Zwifting friends uh to ask a bunch of questions that that I could bring. Uh, and ask you during this uh, this interview the number one answer uh, or question that they wanted answering related to course expansion. Probably not the first time that you have heard this, um, but um, course expansion ideas uh, as much as you can or cannot share around you know the expansion of the existing worlds that you have today, but also the addition of additional worlds in the in the future or additional maps. Um, what could you tell us about that? Sure. First of all, I'm glad that you are
1: excited when you see an update drop. Um, Big time. We, we hope that that's the sense we can create.
0: You, right? you have Swift. achieved that with me. If I'm an audience we're... of one, you've achieved it.
1: <laughs> well, that's awesome. I mean, Zwift <laughs> is, that is our intent, is that it should be this, not necessarily FOMO, but it, it's a world. It's a, it's a world where people are constantly doing things uh and you drop into it and when you're away from it things are happening um so we'll continue in that spirit uh in terms of things that are coming up um i i can't really divulge anything that really or i'm not going to divulge anything that really hasn't sort of been talked about a bit like john is on record and and some other uh places and saying things but i think our, our fundamental strategy is we have this fictitious world of Watopia where we have liberty to create an environment that is uniquely designed to enhance the experience and within the construct of of riding indoors or running indoors um so that will continue and there will be more fun things that we do the Mayan jungle expansion you mentioned was one um there will be in the next uh the next few months, you'll see perhaps a, a more significant uh, elevation challenge coming, um, um, <laughs> which the community has asked for for some time. So yeah. that that should be interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but in addition to Watopia, where we continually expand and, and do fun things, there'll always be a guest course, right? So right now we have um, Richmond. The 2015 UCI Worlds course where Sagan had his his famous finish, um, and we've got the London course, which has been expanded quite a bit. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll be introducing another uh, real world real world inspired course, uh, and by that you know the the GPS coordinates will be very accurate and then a lot of the representations will also be that we might you know take some liberties here and there but um so that is something to look forward to um before summer hits yep. uh there'll definitely be a another i hate going on record saying definitely uh software is always interesting and a, and a fickle <laughs> partner <laughs> despite best intentions things can happen right but, uh yeah so there's there's an expansion coming to Watopia. there's another guest course that'll drop in the next few months um yeah. and then we have some just lots of cool little things that are going on uh you'll see improvements uh you know to to workouts and and the capabilities of the Zwift companion app um, but lots of things we're working on to to make your experience
0: that much better. That was a frightfully guarded response um thank you for that. I- <laughs> <laughs> sure. well, I I I get in trouble. I had to like clear with John.
1: I, I was like, all right. <laughs> I mean, yeah,
0: John and Eric, if John and Eric, if you ever listen to this podcast, I think I think he did well. I, I did. <laughs> That's uh that's great. Is there is there anything that Zwift would would never do in terms of the the experience? Wow. Um Yeah, I I hate to say I
1: hate to say never, but, but as I said, um, you know, there are fun things that people talk about, like, uh, steering and things that, you know, we look into, um, at some point, I'd love to personally see voice as well. We've, we've kind of gone down that road a little bit and priorities shift around, but I think that'll come at some point, um, which is a really interesting one. Um, yeah, I don't know. One of the things that we are definitely a, uh our expertise lies in in software, so we work with everything out there and I think one of the things that's been really fun is to see the innovations in hardware right so we we develop develop it, and they will come and yeah. if you look at if you look at some of the things that are coming out now i mean smart trainers were around before we got started right and there was always the interactivity but then things like you know, the Tax Neo came out and introduced road feel where yep. we'd send them road textures and it would vibrate. You know, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, it and, some people love it. and now you've got things like the kicker climb and, and the community is out. And I think the manufacturers are, have a keen eye to this whole rollerboard or roller plate idea where, you know, offering, offering some movement that makes the indoor feel more outdoor. So there's all kinds of ways that this will go immersive. Um yeah. we are not focused on hardware. Um we definitely try and work with a lot of people. So I won't say that we will never do hardware, but it's definitely not our our primary aim.
0: Yep. So um just real quick on the on the forward looking forward to the future side of things, um there, there's the I often ask this in in interviews, you know, there's this uh good to great theory of big hairy audacious goal, BHAG. Um wondering, you know, kind of what what Zwift's hag might be well,
1: uh, you know I was thinking about this it's an interesting it's an interesting one because as I say, never say never, you never know what's going to to pop out and how you might explore a new avenue that you haven't explored, but in terms of what really powers us and drives us is is our mission of just making more people more active more often yeah um, right and and doing that through. This game technology uh, and working with these enabling hardware components uh, That said, we want to create a world in which um, you could have many activities right We, we started with cycling because it what it's what we were passionate about and what we knew uh, and now we've kind of opened it up to to runners more efficiently
0: yeah
1: you know it is it is a an open access uh, for running for the next, you know, probably right through the fall, as we learn more about what makes that experience compelling and and who those personas really are, but there's really no reason why you couldn't, as you're riding over, you know, one of the bridges and there's a river below you that you wouldn't see, you know, someone spilling a, you know, a, a skull below you or you know there's a eight-man teams of crew. Like, how cool would it be to have yeah tandem bikes, yeah. right? Why not why not have people in two different locations powering <laughs> A bike together. That or, is a fantastic or, idea. Or crew, right? So yeah. these are the things that, again, what are, the, what are the fun ways we can take this where really you're logging into a world where everybody in that world is doing something.
0: Yeah, I you love know, it. You could, just be,
1: you could be on a step or going up a hill. I mean, that's the cool thing about most of the technology is that we have watts or we have some notion of power. That can propel an avatar, and so how do you? What's the input, and then how do you represent that in a connected, compelling way?
0: Yep. Um, fantastic. Um, that that's a great introduction to to Zwift, um, Scott. Thank you very much for doing that. I do have five questions that I normally ask people. Uh, quick fire questions, quick fire answers. Um, All right. Who taught you to ride a bike?
1: That would be my. Father. Uh I'll I'll keep it short, but I actually had uh something called leg perthes when I was a kid. And uh. so there was about a year of my life where I, I couldn't walk. I was uh. about going into kindergarten and coming out of that, my my dad is like, Wow, your legs are really emaciated, you should cycle. And so he's the guy that got me on a bike. And so started with BMX and then I caught like the uh the Criterion bug on my first road bike, and the rest is history.
0: Wow, that's a fantastic story. Um, um, I think you may have just answered this question, but what was your first bike? It sounds like a BMX, but do you remember who made it?
1: Oh, yes. It was a Silver Univega. Oh, God, what was the model? I eventually ended up a Mongoose, which is one of my favorite bikes. But, yeah, I I tried tricking it out and putting pads on it. It was black and white checkered pads on the stem, and... You know, my number plate. Oh God. You'll never forget that.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what bikes do you own today? Uh I'm actually,
1: I, I buy into the whole n plus one thing, but equally there's the <laughs> n plus one without getting divorced part of that equation. So I'm I'm down to four. Well, maybe that's four. pretty good. I, it's pretty good. <laughs> I have I've got a Focus uh, Mares, which is my cross bike gravel grinder. Absolutely love. There's lots of great trails to go on. I've really taken to that since I've been out here. Um, we were fortunate enough at, at Zwift to work with Pinarello and, and we have um, some F8s that are. Awesome, awesome bikes. Uh, I've got my old Cannondale Evo, the Old Faithful, one of my favorites. Uh, don't have a mountain bike at the moment, but then have a couple really cool commuters, one of which was my original racing bike, a uh, handmade Italian bike called Zulo. Uh-huh. Kind of an obscure manufacturer uh, that I, when I peaked in my cycling career, was probably about 15 in the years. <laughs> In terms of as far as I would ever go, like, I don't know, winning the New England Championships or whatever, but that that bike uh, is now a really awesome single-speak. That's probably one of my
0: favorites. Um, Great. Um, How many miles did you ride last year, if I looked at your Strava account, if you have a Strava account?
1: I, of course, have Strava. Uh,
0: It was under 10,000, so
1: I think it was probably about 7,000 or so.
0: Wow, that's pretty good. Good job. Yeah, not too bad. Yep. Um, and what is the best ride that you have ever been on? Oh my gosh. Uh,
1: hmm. these are really tough, but I have to say it would have to go back to the Alps. Um, one of the best rides ever, I think was the day that we, we started, uh, we climbed with the Glibier, came down and ended on the top of Alpe Duez. like that. Wow. It just, that, I think cycling in Europe just puts, yeah. So much perspective on, and, and just engenders renewed respect for the level of pro athletes uh, as you as you find yourself grinding up these things and thinking, wow, I'm going about one tenth the speed that these guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> the sense and the scenery, and you know, if you get the weather combination, there is nothing. Uh, and we're blessed in California, and we have a lot of great territory. But I. I really love that day, probably because I think I was feeling pretty good as well.
0: Good. <laughs> well, excellent. Scott Barger, thank you very much for being on uh, Ben and Bike's podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it.
1: Awesome. This has been uh, fun to catch
0: up, Ben. Good stuff. And uh, and ride on.
1: We'll see you out on Watopia.
0: All right. Yeah. See you on Watopia. Right. Absolutely. Right. Thanks a lot. Right on. All right. See you. Okay. Right on. Bye.
1: We hope you enjoyed this edition
0: of the Ben and Bikes podcast. You'll find this and many other episodes about athletes, authors, filmmakers, and community organizers, all with a story to tell about bikes by visiting benandbikes.com. Thank you for listening. We'd sure appreciate it if you could rate and review the Ben and Bikes podcast wherever you listen. We appreciate your support and thanks for helping us connect with other bike
1: enthusiasts. If you have a bike story to tell, email us, ben
0: at benandbikes.com.